Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media. Hello and welcome to Stand Firm Media's Race Relations Radio. I'm Hank, and this time I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Rick. Rick, how are you? I'm great. For those that aren't watching video, I think it's only fair, you know, since we're talking about race, to preference that I am black and Rick is white. That's right. I want to get that out there. So when you hear me say th- certain things, you, you'll be like, oh, that guy's talking off the side of his neck. Why is he talking like that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't want that. No. It could, ha- could happen with me, too. Exactly. <laughs> so We have similar hairstyles, but different amounts of melanin <laughs> in the skin. <laughs> And I have been told by other uh, community members that I don't sound like I look. So <laughs> we will get that. It's funny. That's one thing we could mention right off the start is the idea of stereotypes. True. Stereotypes are stereotypes because they're generally true. Yeah. They're just not specifically true. Yeah. And people who think that the stereotype is automatically true about someone based on their appearance is in itself a form of racism, no matter how you apply it. You're, you're prejudging that person, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, today, we're going to uh, be on a touchy one. So we're going to be talking about George Floyd. So this one's going to be titled George Floyd Round Two. And it's a very emotional thing to talk about. It is. And I'm, I'm not the type of person, when I process things that are in the news, I try not to let my emotions decide for me how I feel about it. I'm very analytical. I tend to step back from a situation and not let my emotions lead my opinion. And I try to dig deep for factual information. I've been uh, talking about things that are in the news. I've, I've had involvement in stories that have been covered by the news before to the degree that I've seen where sometimes the news doesn't tell you everything that there is to actually know about a situation. And so I'm, uh, when there's something that I'm interested in enough to want to know or to share my opinion, I try to dig and get as much factual information as I can. And I try to make as, as detached from the emotion of the moment, uh, of a, an opinion when I share my opinion. That's fair. I think this one's a, a real, challenge for me on a personal level, just because I I get the sense that a lot of people who are not minorities and specifically not black don't get the true gravity of how things can go sideways. Um, mm-hmm. It's not always, are you a bad guy? You did this, this, and this, so you deserve this. I try not to look at things too much like that because as Christians, we know that none of us are are perfect. Right. We all have shortcomings. And just because my shortcoming might be different from yours doesn't give me the right to get down on you about whatever yours is. Right. And at the end of the day, a person lost their life over this situation. You know, these are situations that uh, typically you would say you expect to go home after this. Yeah, I, I hear I hear that. And and I know that that's a part of the outrage over the whole situation is that this one got captured on video in such a graphic way and is one of those things where I heard from other black friends that I have that like, this is what we've been telling you, man. Like this is, this happens all the time. You just don't get it on video every time it happens. So you don't realize that it happens, you know, and uh, I understand that is a part of the whole argument. 
you know, about why it's a big deal. Right. And uh, I'm very uh, open minded. Mm -hmm. So there are tons of these incidents that have been caught where I'll say, you know what? That guy had it coming. Or if I was the police officer, I would have shot or what have you. There was the one where the guy with the knife, I would have shot that guy minutes before the police actually shot him. He's running out of his house. He's coming at him. And I'm like, shoot, shoot, no, shoot, shoot. And they're running from him and running from him. And I'm like, nope, I would have, I would have shot him five times over. For me, I guess I can say I I have a bias. Um, I don't believe in the the unconscious bias thing that I've heard white people be accused of by some black people. Uh, I I really don't. I mean, I don't know. I I could see maybe some people might have that, but I I really have a hard time believing that I have that. But I do know the bias that I have in favor of police officers only because I have a close family member that was a police chief was on the force for 35, 40 years. I have uh, friends that I went to school with and that go to my church that are police officers that I know well. And I know that there's two sides to every story. And if you go back, there's a, a history of black versus white situations or, or black victims of police uh, overstepping their bounds. And it always gets painted in the racial lens and and maybe sometimes that's appropriate i i i I can see that there's some of those situations where yeah that might be a factor but i don't think it's automatically a factor just because the two participants have different skin tones i don't think that automatically makes it a racial issue it could just be a guy and a cop issue you know what i mean like if it happened to me right do you think that or not i think in certain situations we have that uh, and then mm-hmm. there's other situations that I know for a fact are more biased. I, I will tell you two quick personal stories. Frankenmuth, Michigan, back in the 90s. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a young man. Uh, some guy has some issue with me. You know, it's kid stuff. I uh, get caught at the wrong place at the wrong time. Frankenmuth police arrive and they instantly swarm me. Just me. I was with two other people. And... It all just instantly became about me and I, <laughs> and that, that kind of soured me. And then I will tell you a, one other quick one in Birch Run, Michigan. Uh, this was in the 2000s, mid 2000s. My car broke down. I am at, uh, uh, just past a busy intersection, well off the road, flashers on. I've called AAA. This cop shows up and he is just very, um, He's very suspicious. Let's say that. He keeps asking me, oh, is somebody on their way? Oh, so somebody's coming? Somebody's on their way? And I'm like, yeah. And I, I just had this terrible feeling that if nobody was on their way, that that situation could have been bad. That's just my gut feeling. I can't prove that. Uh, I'm not saying that anything happened, but as the tow truck driver came up, uh, the, the cop, he just kept looking around. There was nobody there. It was late at night, actually early in the morning. Like one thirty, two in the morning, I was working late nights, and I just had a terrible feeling that if I hadn't had uh, the tow truck driver en route, that that situation could have gone south. That's just my gut instinct. Well, I'm really glad it didn't, so you're here to talk to me, because <laughs> I enjoy you know visiting with you. And uh, both those situations that's, that you can share those, I, I can see 
how that gives you a perspective, you know, that's an angle, just like my experiences gives me a, a different angle. Correct. Um, I could tell you, I have, I have a brother that got pulled over once and it, it was after dark and um, normally you get pulled over and it's like, you know, is there a bulb out? You know, I mean, if, if you don't, if you weren't doing anything to get pulled over for, right, which was his situation and uh, you know, he's white as I am, uh, but it's at night and the, police officer like shines his spotlight, like right in his driver's door mirror. So it's like lighting up the interior of his car. And he, so he's being blinded and the officer hasn't gotten out and told him anything. And he got impatient and decided to open his door. Ooh, no. And, uh, when he stepped out of his car, he, he was looking down the barrel of a gun like that. And he was told to get back in his car and keep his hands in sight and all that stuff. And it turned out they said they were looking for a stolen car that fit that description, but they thought the person could have been armed and dangerous that was in that car. So the police are approaching that situation, not knowing who's in the car they just stopped. You know, that's the other side of the coin with all of these, you know, when you see it. And the first thing I think of whenever I see a video with any situation is what happened before the part I saw. It's like reading the Bible. It's like what happened in the chapter before and the chapter after. Right. Because that affects that affects things. You can take that one thing out of context and, and view it a certain way. But when you look at everything together, maybe it's a, it's in a different light. Correct. And, um, I've I've watched three of the four officers' body cameras and the security cameras from buildings across the street from where this happened and everything. And um, it's a hard point to decide because I, I think there there's a point where I would say this. This may not like hearing this, but this I I think this is completely true when I say it. If George Floyd had simply completely complied with what the officer first told him to do, he might still be alive. Okay. What, what didn't he comply with? What didn't he comply with? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't comply when he was asked to get out of his car. Okay. He didn't comply when he was told to stand up and, and walk to the sidewalk. He went down on his knees and they asked him to get up again. They had to tell him repeatedly. Then he went over by the other police car. And as he was walking over there, he went down a second time and he like, they dragged him a little bit on the ground and it asked him to get up. Then they tried to put him in the squad car. You've seen, you've seen episodes of cops. You see how they put people in a squad car, you know, um, he kept pushing back against the cop who was trying to get him in the squad car. And he was arguing and telling him I'm claustrophobic. And the, and the officer said, I can roll a window down for you. And in that car, I just watched this video yesterday as part of the trial in that car. There were like some straps going from the back seat to the front seat. I think they're used to like restrain people back there or, you know, keep you in one spot. So you don't have the whole seat to use. And another officer went to the other side of the car, opened that door and removed those straps so that he could get in there. And as soon as he did go in, then he slid his body across the seat and out the other door yeah, yep, and then was it. kicking his feet at the police officers. Now, up to that point, I didn't see the police officers do anything that was wrong or more than what they should have been doing. There is a point where they definitely did more than they should have. And, and, but it's a hard, 
it's a hard line to see when you're watching that video is when is he actually subdued where they should let him up. Right. You know, the only thing I will say, um, my only pushback on any of this is once you are in cuffs and you're down and then somebody is kneeling on you, I, I yeah. just don't find that excusable. No, I, I wouldn't normally either. I, he's a, he's a big guy and I, and I could see where maybe it took more than one officer to to get him subdued. But I would think once he's down and handcuffed, you, you could pick him back up and 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 get him into the car. You didn't have to stay on top of him. Uh, I can't excuse. I can't excuse a guy kneeling on a guy for as long as he did. You know, I could see it for a moment or two if you needed to in order to get somebody submitted. I don't know. You know, I don't know the size of your brothers if you wrestled with them and you you're wrestling with each other and you get somebody in a position and then they say i can't breathe you know and right. and usually you get a little adrenaline in that position you know because because you're you're afraid right, right? Your, your fear kicks in and you're you're trying to fight that guy off and on the flip side of the coin i could completely see where george floyd was in fear and maybe his adrenaline was working uh, and he wasn't thinking clearly, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly, you know, what was going on in his mind, but he definitely seemed afraid about being forced to get in that car and, 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 you know, being treated the way he was, you know, it, you know, he was in a despair situation. Now I have multiple friends who are current and former police officers and mm -hmm. I love them dearly. Um, but I don't go into any of these situations thinking that police are always right and who they're up against is always wrong. I think we're just all human beings. We're all individuals. Right. There's cops yeah. out there. I know for a fact uh, there was one in Flint. Uh, he used to, uh, this is documented. You can go prove this. Uh, he used to go to crime scenes ahead of time. Guess why? Because he, he created the crime scene. Hmm. He got, he finally got caught, but he, you know, there's a dead body at such and such. Mm, you're already there and your pockets are full of whatever was there. Uh, but wow. he, he finally got caught. He shot himself in the shoulder. Oh, I think I heard about that one. <laughs> I did hear about it was a that. a dirt ball. Yep. Yeah. No, they're like any profession. There are some people that are bad people. Yes. That can be in. There's a percentage of people that are not good people. And honestly, I. I'm a union steward. I'm Teamsters Local 781. I've been a union steward for years. Uh, but there are some stories you can read and see that there's officers who really should be taken off the force, but the police union protects them. The police unions stop them from being disciplined for things they should have. And sometimes when these situations come about like this, it could have been avoided by getting that officer off the force years ago if they didn't have the union standing in the way of the city doing that. Most certainly. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I, I, I just, here's what bothers me. And here's okay. where the race relations come into play is when mm -hmm. this situation happened, you had people rushing to social media saying that this guy's all wrong. And then other people rushing saying that the cops are all wrong. Right. Nobody really waited for everything. Tensions were flaring <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And I just wish we could get to a case-by-case -case mentality where we wait and we go over some of the stuff. My problem with this situation was, as I stated, the duration in which they're kneeling upon him. And I think you already got him at this point. 
You know, he's mm-hmm. handcuffed. He's down flat. He, his hands are behind him. You got him. Like, if I could have heard people say that aspect is wrong mm-hmm. and then we move forward towards this trial, it would have been yeah. better than hearing, well, he had this, this, and this in his system, or he <laughs> he did this, this, and yeah. this, yeah. and he, he passed uh, some bad bills and stuff. It's always try to change the narrative to get your point across. And, it, and, and in a situation where somebody loses their life, I don't mm-hmm. think that's relevant um, in that moment. I don't think it's relevant for you to try to convince me or me to try to convince you. I just think I wish as a uh, people, we could look at a situation and go, okay, he's not a good guy. Not here saying he was, but certain aspects of that situation are not acceptable and sure. need to be dealt with on right. what extent we'll let the legal system deal with that. They, they know what the preponderance of evidence is. Hank doesn't, they do. That's what they went to schools for. That's what I would like to see. Uh, I would like, I agree with you as far as a case by case thing. That that's one of the problems that I have with what I see in media from certain people is lumping together situations that are different. Some don't even involve law enforcement. Like like Trayvon Martin's death didn't actually involve law enforcement. That's just a citizen. This guy in Georgia that was murdered, uh, Arbery, uh, that's just flat out murdered by a couple of not police officers. And then to compare that with a different situation where police are involved for a legitimate reason and it ends up badly. And then you put them all together and you try to say, this paints such and such a picture that's just somehow universally true uh, across the country or in all situations. That's a, a real problem I have, but it happens a lot in social media and in news media where if you break it down and look at each case individually, you can see different reasons why something happened the way it did. And I don't, I see very few situations where I can say, yeah, they should have killed that guy. I mean, there's some rare ones, but most of the time you would think that they could have avoided killing this person. But also in a lot of those same cases, the person who ended up dead, you could look at and say, if he had done this thing or that thing different, he could still be alive now. And that's what I was, I was trying to break down. Like there's a bunch of different aspects to George Floyd's death. I think it's terrible how he died and that he died. I, you know, I wished that had not happened, but I can also see ways for it to have been avoided. And, you know, I, I don't know whether he knew that he passed a counterfeit bill or not. He may not have even known that he had it. You know, maybe right. somebody else gave it to him. And, and, and so he could be innocent in that regard. Okay, sure. Yes, technically he had a fake bill and he passed it, but you don't know for sure right. that he did. If he, if say, say you had been, say he survived and he's getting charged with that crime, that's up to somebody else to decide whether it's on him or not. Yeah. Uh, that's not a death penalty offense. Okay. But there's million, uh, millions of lawyers on social media that have chimed in and have, you know, determined that this man's death is a-okay, you know, and I'm just not willing to do that. No, that disgusts me. I- I'm going to make a parallel. Okay. It's going to be a weird one, but I'm going to make a parallel. Um, right. In 1998, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. All right. In 2002, sh- she passed away and mm. she died from renal heart failure. So mm. was it the heart or was it the cancer? Yeah. You see where I'm getting at? Right. These situations 
if I have my nephews and nieces with me and my brother or sister drops them off and they're fine and then he or she comes to get them, they're not fine. Yeah. Whose fault is that? Exactly. <laughs> is it, is it right. solely my fault? Is it, right. uh, they had Benadryl and something in their system and, and an EpiPen, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and right. I'm, I'm making these, these situations are not analogous, but I'm making these yeah. comparisons just because you have this fine line of saying so-and-so, you know, these guys' hands are clean because of this. And I, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, I understand the point, and And I agree. I mean, death certificates usually lifts more than one cause of death. <laughs> it's not, I mean, unless, you know, guy got shot by the police and you say he died because he was shot. Well, that's kind of clear cut. But, you know, in this case, too, that's one of the things that's going to have to come out in the trial that's going to be a difficult thing. And uh, I feel like in this case, they may have gotten the charges right. I've Some of the other high-profile cases that have occurred, uh, either the district attorney goes for a larger charge to impress everybody, and then they can't actually get a conviction on that charge, where if they'd have just gone for a lesser charge, they could have done that. Definitely would have happened with George Zimmerman if they'd have gone for a lesser charge, you know. Uh, but no, they went for the they went for the big prize and then they didn't get it. And that's one of the things about cases like this that normally, and I, I heard an explanation about Minnesota law, and one of them that applies specifically is if you're a police officer and you commit a felony in the course of whatever, and the end result is the death of a person, then you can be charged with murder. So a that's a good charge that hopefully they can get a conviction on. Um, but, you know, it's going to come up uh, about the autopsy and saying that he had fentanyl in his system. And you could say maybe, maybe he would have died anyway. Like, like what if they went to his car? Because I believe that he, that he had told them he was having trouble breathing, like when there were only two officers there, before there were four, you know, like before time, much time had gone by. And in my way of thinking, if you're a police officer, you're to serve and protect. The first thing you do when somebody says, I'm having trouble breathing, is you try to get a medical help, right? So the response should have been get him medical help. And in a way, they could be responsible for his death by being negligent when they didn't get him the medical help that he needed right away. Because you can, if the guy's going to the hospital, you send an officer with him in the ambulance, you can cuff him to bed at the hospital. You don't, he's not a flight risk. No. You get him the attention he needs, and then you deal with the bad bill later on down the road when you know the guy's okay. Right. Uh, And that's really how it should have gone, in my opinion. And in that way, you could say the police killed him just by depriving him of the medical help that he needed. Right. Whether or not they knelt on his neck too long or used excessive force in that, that wouldn't even matter if you were only looking at the, should they have called him medical assistance, which they should have. Now, while I have you here, Rick, I I hate Mm -hmm. to put you on this spot, but I have to. um, Go ahead. I would be remiss if I did not. Uh, bring this up because people there's going to be other people of color that are going to wonder why I didn't bring this up but um, we've seen certain situations in which a Caucasian uh, offender Mm. will even shoot up a place or do something but doesn't lose their life Okay, sure. would you say that is fair that we see that sometimes oh yeah that's true that's true that you see that I see that too but Here's my explanation for that. 
it's not about their race. It's about different police departments. It's about lawyers. It's about certain things. The, the guy who shot up that murdered those people at that church, he walked away. So they didn't catch him at the scene. He's gone. They got an idea who he is. They're looking for him. They're telling you, I think, in the news who he was, I think, in that case, before they got him. He gets a lawyer. He says, hey, I'll show up and turn myself in. That's how you get to do it and be alive. Same thing could happen for a black person as a white person in that situation if you if you get away. Now, if you're on the scene, active, and the police show up and you engage in a shootout, then it don't matter what color your skin is, you can end up dead, too. We're running out of time. Is there anything mm-hmm. you want to leave us with? Yeah, I... I I took some offense at the beginning of George Floyd's trial with something his lawyer said outside of the courtroom. And that was the idea that if George Floyd were white, we would be more outraged about this situation because I'm, I'm outraged about these kinds of situations all the time. It doesn't have to do with a person's color. Like those things you said on social media, where somebody wants to take one side and say one's all right and the other's all wrong, it's it's just not that way. It's a mixed bag of stuff, and it's a it's a messy bunch of stuff. And um, I think you know Martin Luther King in "I Have a Dream" speech, which I read when I was young, talked about his children being judged on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And that, to me, is the the whole idea is. When you meet somebody or you see this thing on the news that you don't draw your conclusion because of the colors of the people involved, but you look at what actually happened, what are the circumstances, and let that be your your judge. But sometimes that also means that the person that is being portrayed as the victim might be the instigator and be partly responsible. You know, many years ago when I was younger, I drove without insurance. I had a car accident little fender bender wasn't bad, but the other guy told me I was completely responsible and I had to pay for all of the damage on his car. And I disputed that. So we ended up in court and the judge said to me, uh, tell me, you know, what happened? And the, the other guy's blinker was broken. And so I, I thought he was going a different direction. Him pumping his brakes, I took as a blinker when he was actually turning right instead of turning left. And so I hit him in the rear end and I Explain that to the judge. So you know what the judge said to him? He said, you're 10% responsible for being there, and you, I mean, you're going to hold you another 10% responsible for having a faulty taillight. And you, me, is responsible for the 80% of the damage, but not 100% like he wanted. Okay? So even a victim who's mostly innocent is a percentage responsible just because they're there and they something happens that the police get involved. Now, I know you can probably dig deep and find a situation where that might not be true. I'm not saying it's universally true, but I'm saying many of these situations that get a lot of media attention, they're, they were so avoidable. You know, Trayvon Martin was so avoidable. This one was avoidable. And it breaks my heart that somebody is dead when they didn't have to be, you know. Uh, the only thing I want to say in closing is that I just hope we can get to a time where the media doesn't pick sides and actually reports the news. If we could get back to that, I think that would go a long way into rebuilding race relations. Because right now, I'm telling you what, man, I grew up in the 
seventies, eighties, nineties. I was a young, mm-hmm. young man. Mm-hmm. And right now is taking me back to seventies and eighties. It's taking me back to that mindset that I used to have to be in to go places because we're going to get into in future episodes. I will give you real situations of real discrimination that mm-hmm. is just un- unnecessary and in some cases unlawful. And for other races to say, oh, racism doesn't exist anymore and stuff is, is totally egregious and ridiculous because I can prove it does. And if we could just get back to the media not pitting us against one another, I tell you, it could go a long, long way. Let me throw you on from the opposite direction. I agree with what you just said. I, I, I would like I would like it to be less polarized than it is and for people to feel like things are better than they were. They shouldn't be going backwards, right? I argued with a white guy <laughs> a few weeks ago because he tried to tell me, and he's not the only one, that things are worse than they've ever been, that no. the country is more racist than it's ever been. No. And that was my argument was like, wait a second. Did you try to check into a hotel that said, you know, coloreds can't stay here? Right. <laughs> right. Did, did, do you see a guy who can't have an employment somewhere because of his skin tone? Do you, do, do you see a mob hanging a guy in a tree and take their picture in front of his hanging body right. and not be afraid to show their faces because they knew they wouldn't be charged? Cause that happened in the twenties and the thirties and the forties. Yep. Okay. And, and that happened with the KKK in the South and, you know, thank God we're a whole lot better than we used to be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. There's still racism. There's still bad people. Yes. And there's still some things that might need to be changed institutionally. But I really think that's a cop out sometimes when people cry that all the time in a situation where it doesn't apply. It becomes like the boy who cried wolf, right? He, he cried wolf and he faked people out a few times. And this is an old story, right? He's not <laughs> fables. And what was it when, when the wolf really came, nobody believed him because he lied, right? Yep. So if, if every incident gets called racism, even if it really isn't, then when you do see real racism, doesn't that diminish it being taken seriously and diminish the power? I mean, when there's a real situation like the stuff you're going to talk about, that should be taken seriously and that should be dealt with and that should not be that way. But to call every little slight, you know, I used the word boy in a sentence and you took offense about it, okay? Even though I didn't direct it at you or mean it that way. I literally had a coworker who lost the job because of a word I had heard him use hundreds of times and he did it all the time. And then one coworker that had heard him many times over years, one day decided to say that it had a sexual connotation to it and he was, and, and he got him. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a second. I know well and good. And so did that guy that that wasn't the way that guy meant it because he, he said it in a casual way all the time. They just used it to hang a guy when they had a chance. And and that's that's not right either. OK, <laughs> that's the way I look at it. All right, Rick, we're going to leave it right there. Hey, everyone, uh, we're going to just keep diving into topics on this show uh, on StanfordMedia.com. You will be able to find Race Relation Radio, uh, Left and Right Wing, Same Bird. It's a political show. And then our Candid Christian Conversations show, all right there at StanFirmMedia.com. But on this show, we're going we're gonna to get into some touchy situations and subjects. And uh, we're 
oftentimes is going to agree to disagree, try and do it in a respectful manner since that doesn't happen anywhere else on the internet. <laughs> so, well, well, with us at yep. least. So, thank you so much, Rick. No name calling. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Race Relation Radio. Be sure to check us out next time at StanfirmMedia.com. Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media.